On Change the World today, we'll be discussing mental health issues. If you or anyone you know needs help, please call. Lifeline on 131114. Beyond Blue on 1300224636. Suicide Callback Service on 1300659467. If you are in immediate danger, call 000. Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're continuing our seven-part series on mental health issues, and today we are discussing depression. There's a certain amount of stigma that goes along with being diagnosed with and sharing with others this condition, but... If we consider that Abraham Lincoln suffered from it his entire life, and yet he was able to not only be elected president of the United States, but to keep his nation together, win the Civil War, free the slaves, and give the African American the vote in approximately four years without the medications and therapies available today, we can also agree that depression can affect all of us, the great and the everyday man or woman. Modern science has also determined that 75% of the genes linked to high cognitive ability are also linked to depression. Furthermore, depression can dim these stars because it impairs the frontal lobe. In layman's terms, it stops them from thinking clearly. Consider that uh, many of our great political leaders like Queen Victoria, Winston Churchill, Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, John Curtin, all suffered from depression. Also scientists like Sir Isaac Newton, Sigmund Freud, musicians like Dolly Parton, Bruce Springsteen, Lady Gaga, and of course in a category all of his own, Ludwig von Beethoven suffered from depression. Actors and actresses like Brooke Shields, Linda Hamilton, Jim Carrey, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Robin Williams also were sufferers. Writers like Ernest Hemingway, John Keats, Leo Tolstoy, Charles Dickens, Tennessee Williams, and J.K. Rowling. Also athletes like Mike Tyson, medal-winning and MMA and UFC champion Ronda Rousey, Serena Williams, 28-time gold medal winner Michael Phelps, astronauts like Buzz Aldrin, the second man to walk on the moon, artists like Vincent Van Gogh, religious leaders including Buddha himself have all battled with depression. I can go on and on and fill this show with examples, but suffice to say this is not a new problem nor is it a minor one. In any given year in the United States, 6.7% of people suffer from depression. In Australia, in 2017-18, that number was 13.1%. In the world, the WHO estimates that the number of people suffering depression exceeds 300 million people. To that end, we have in our studio today David Moran, CEO of Mental Health Partners, a company that works with other companies and organizations in training their staff on mental health first aid. David Moran is a father of two. 
grandfather to two, and has a passion for helping others. He owns and manages a family business in mental health education. David has over 40 years experience in running small businesses in South Australia, from being an, an owner operator up to national and international companies. He has trained over 3,000 people in mental health and has used his mental health skills to save the lives of many South Australians. David lives and works to a guiding set of personal principles headed by, I know that I will be better as long as those around me are better. David has certificates in mental health first aid, senior first aid, small business management, information technology, recruitment, hospitality, and franchise management. We also have in our studio a past and or present sufferer of depression, Drew Ames, who has turned his negative challenge into a positive, as if by magic. He's a family man who has been in technology for 30 plus years, but he's also an entertainer who currently does a magic show which addresses mental health issues in a fun but insightful and impactful way. David, I'd like to begin with you, if you could help define the somewhat undefinable here as far as what depression is, and tell us a little bit about the symptoms and the physiology as we understand it so far today. Sure. Thanks, Matt, and uh, welcome to all your listeners. A definition of depression is going to be slightly different for everybody who experiences it, but for a broad definition... We're going to be looking at two major things that are going to be true about the person. One, they're going to have a low or, or depressed mood that does not go away. And they're going to have a loss of enjoyment of things that they previously enjoyed. Typically, a diagnosing specialist will not be diagnosing depression unless those things are true for a person for up to two weeks. If they haven't had those continuously for that period, they're not going to be diagnosed with depression. And then there's a whole range of subsets of things that come under that. And as I said before, everybody's going to be different. But the standard is that it must last for two weeks. They must not go away. So if you have... Um, as a lot of Geelong supporters might have had a couple of weeks ago when they came over to play Port Power in Adelaide, they would have felt bad that night. But that's going to go away. That's not depression. So a person who lives with depression is going to have those symptoms and they're not going away. Mm. And that's how people are diagnosed. And it'll be slightly different for everybody and the treatments will be slightly different for everybody as well. Mm. Thank you for that. I'd like to turn to Drew here real quickly. And Drew, if you could tell us a little bit about your story and your struggle. I mean, now that we have a definition of depression, can you tell us the feeling and, the, and living with it, what that was like for you? Yeah, that's really interesting because it does very much reflect, David, you've just stuck my story into a nice little box because it's exactly what it was. It just does not go away. So in my mid-40s, I sort of, fell into a hole where it seemed everything I did was an obligation. Even the things that I thought I wanted to do, when I actually got a chance to do what I wanted to do, I just wasn't in the mood and I couldn't get motivated to do that. And everyone in the world wanted a piece of me and there just wasn't enough pieces to go round. At first I, I, I kept up and I felt like I was just getting tired. I 
just couldn't pull myself together and I was just constantly dragging myself around, not getting any enjoyment out of everything I was doing. But I just couldn't pull two thoughts together. I couldn't look forward to something. There wasn't a, what do you want to do tonight? Anytime somebody said, what did I want? I just, I, I couldn't even think of what I wanted. And, and I just couldn't raise enthusiasms or create a sensible response. And when people said, well, how can we help? <laughs> just no clue. Absolutely no clue. But I was really quite high functioning in that because it was only the people that really knew me who were close to me who could tell the difference. Very few people at work could tell the difference. I got the work done. I got the output done. I met the obligations. I did what needed to be done but only because I dragged myself around by force of will to be able to do that. I had fantastic support from my wife and my family, and they were super patient. But sadly, I didn't really trust enough of my friends to talk about it. And that goes back to the stigma bit that you were talking about at the beginning, Matt. I felt like I had to be the person who was capable, and I couldn't not be the capable one enough to be vulnerable enough to share where I was at with the, the people I was with. My wife suggested several times that, very gently, she was beautifully patient with me, that I talked to someone, but I didn't feel like I had anything to say. I didn't know what to say. And so why would I make an appointment with a professional when I didn't really have any clue of what I should be talking about because I didn't really have anything to talk about? That meant that I sort of literally dragged myself around for about seven years and it just didn't go away. But now I'm back. I can't actually point to what the turning point was or when it got, quote, better or specifically how I recovered. But there's days of joy and there's days of not joy. And... You know, I'm not like a reform smoker. I'm not happy all the time and I need everybody else to be happy because that makes me happy too. But I do, however, have to make a specific point of recognising my emotions and recognising to myself, especially when I'm happy. And uh, I actually say it out loud to myself or I tell my wife and I say, I had a happy day today. I'm feeling happy. Just so that realisation can get in my head and neutralise the negative cycle of thoughts that just tend to spin around if you, if you don't make a point of recognising the good stuff. Wow, thank you for sharing that with us. There's a couple of things there that I'd like to dig a little bit deeper on and also get your feedback on, David. First thing I thought that was really interesting that you said is, why go see somebody? I've got nothing to say. And I think that's really uh, something that we should talk about for a second because... I think a lot of people in that position have the same feeling and then they never get any help. I mean, David, does that sound cool? Yeah. I think I was talking to you about, was that you I was talking to about the other, I was talking about this exact thing with somebody yeah. the other it day. It may have Is been me, I, I don't recall, okay. but it's, it's certainly very, very typical. My sister lives with depression and she describes her inability to get help in a similar but just, slightly different way she described it as shame so she's feeling so bad about herself that not that she doesn't have anything to say she thinks of it as nobody would want to listen to me 
I'm so bad. I'm so shockingly, you know, nothing. Nobody would want to hear what I've got to say. So it's very similar, but just slightly different. And, you know, a lot of the story does ring very, very true that it doesn't go away. It's something that you're going to have to do something about. And the things that people do will be different. My sister, you know, owes her life, in her words, to a group setting that really helped her. Now, that's not going to work for everybody. I've met people and I've suggested group therapy and they go, oh, no, I could never do group therapy. And I'm seeing shaking of the head. And, you know, that's absolutely fine because there's no one solution that will suit everybody. But there is enough solutions out there that everybody can be helped. Mm. I think that's a great point too, David. I mean, it seems like throughout history, I mean, like I was saying in my preamble there, this is not a new problem (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination. It's not an isolated problem either. Uh, And it affects all stratas of society and all levels of of, uh, success, uh, rich man and pauper alike. Uh, and uh, But I don't think we've ever been positioned as well as we are right now to help people. I mean, as far as with education and the advances in medicine and overall acceptance of, of the condition. Yeah, I think, and I think it's also a function of just basic numerology as well. We are today, with everybody in the world, we've got more people living with depression than we've ever had. Mm. That's just a function Mm. of the fact that there's more people in the world. Mm -hmm. And the more people there are, the more we learn about it, the more we learn, the better we are talking about it Mm. and helping and coming up with new strategies that will help a range of people. Going back to Drew here real quick. Drew, did you ever get the feeling when you were in that situation that just everything was too hard? Uh, I mean, because you were talking a little bit about, you know, oh, I don't have anything to say, or did you just feel like it was too hard to talk about it and it's just easier just to, you know, once you have the, use all, all the energy you have to take your shower and get to work, just go through your day? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so much a physical energy thing. Mm-hmm. It was the mental energy. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't fit the thoughts together. And, yeah, the the concept of talking to somebody and obviously if I was going to go to someone professional, I wanted to be able to – I'm a professional guy. I've been working in consulting and and solving people's problems and things. So I expect to get a picture of the problem and then I can tell you what to do about it. And So that's what I expected to be able to present to a professional and say, well, this is where I'm at. This is what's been going Mm. on. Here's the things that are broken. Tell me how to fix it. Mm. And I, I couldn't put that together. And so I didn't know what was I going to go in and talk about. Mm. Now, obviously, the, the other side of the table is extremely well trained at this sort of thing. And they get people like me in. And I don't need to know what to talk about because their, their skill is in drawing that out mm. and exploring where you're up to without making you feel like you actually have to say something. Mm. I can see how for a technical person like you that wants to solve it, who like you know needs a puzzle. What are the parameters of this puzzle? 
you know, what's step A, B, and C? That would be really challenging for, for. There's probably a lot of people like that out there that feel the same way. Yes, I'm very a technical <coughs> person that mm. has a technical problem, and there's obviously something wrong. You fix be a that, solution. and then you have a solution. Yeah, A, B, C. All right. Well, uh, with that, we're going to hear some quick words from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, a family-owned and operated business for 19 years and counting. Our showroom and coffee machine workshop is based in Adelaide City Centre, where we showcase coffee machines, all types of coffee accessories and complimentary products, as well as five of our very own coffee blends, including our most popular Dolce Vita blend. Fine Choice Coffee Solutions is SA's home and authorised service centre for the fully automatic Euro coffee machines. Our staff are friendly and welcoming, and always looking forward to meeting new customers so come and say hi at 264 Gilbert Street in the city or you can shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. Thinking of painting this weekend? Time to freshen up a room or two. With 30% off paint, it's time to visit Crowies, but you'll have to be quick. Sale ends this long weekend. Better get to Crowies, because at Crowies, we know paint. Sales exclude timber, industrial, aerosol and specialty products. Not valid with any other offers. Only available at Crowies Campbelltown. Hi, this is David Heath and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia 1 sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're back here with CEO of Mental Health Partners, David Moran, as well as Drew Ames, entertainer and magician. Very much. We are going to, let's dig back in right away. I want to talk a little bit about the difference between acute versus chronic depression. Like how can you tell the difference between, and you talked about this a little bit, David, the difference between somebody that's just having a bad day and then a chronic ongoing depression. I mean, where do you draw the line between this guy's just kind of a mope, <laughs> you know, and they've got a real issue. I mean, yeah. So look, it's, it's one of the most common questions we get. And again, I go back to what I said before. 
what we're going to be looking for is a person whose mood is lower than normal and not improving at all for a minimum of two weeks and they've lost interest in or joy getting joy from activities they normally enjoy. And those two things have to go for a minimum of two weeks with no break. Then somebody will be diagnosed with depression. Now, the way you asked the question was, how do we tell? That's it. We don't then go on and say, oh, well, somebody's acute, somebody's chronic, somebody's got mild depression, somebody's got heavy depression. We just say, okay, that person needs help. Mm. We encourage them to get that help. Mm-hmm. We, as I'm a first aider, a lay person, we don't diagnose people. So, and it's not helpful to say to somebody, oh, you, you're really chronically depressed. That's not going to be helpful for them. What you want to do is go, what is actually this feeling like for you? Because I'm getting a bit concerned and I'd really like to just try and understand it. Once they start talking about themselves, then you can say, well, have you thought about getting help? What does it sound like when I say um, there's plenty of professional help available? And they might go, well, it sounds awful. Okay. I'm just going to give you time to think about it. Um, I had a lady call me last Friday and say, how can I make my husband go to the doctor? And there's a very, very simple answer to that. You can't. Depends and on the power of their ability to hammer their husband. <laughs> you can't I, make, I would cave in. You can't make somebody go to the doctor. Well, you can make I'm just go, kidding. I'm just but kidding. But you really can't make it worthwhile. Yes. Yeah. And Drew said something really, really positive in the first session that I just wanted to, to sort of climb on the back of. He said, it's really, really beneficial to hear the good things and, and understand that you're going to have some bad things as well. And this is certainly one of the strongest um, pieces of feedback that we get when we're out there educating people about mental health. They like to hear the fact that, yes, you can live with depression and you can have some really, really poor days, but that's not everything about you. You might have some poor days. You might have a poor week, but that's not everything about you. You can have a great week the next week. And you're not depression. You are a husband, a father, a magician, a radio announcer, a sports fanatic, a friend, a drinking mate. You are a lot of things. You are not depression. Mm. Well, that's a keen insight. But how do you tell, obviously, if somebody has a spouse pass away or they get a cancer diagnosis or something like that, that's going to last a lot more than two weeks. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, so depending on what the situation is, and you're right, some of these things might last for a lot longer than two weeks. But what you'll be able to do is go, okay, I'm talking to this person. Yes, they've had this tragedy or trauma. Mm-hmm. Are all the feelings they're having still about that? Or are the feelings they're having something else? Because people who live with depression can have trauma in their lives as well. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean it's going to send them off the deep end or anything like that. That's just being human. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're talking to somebody and they and you know they've had a death or a cancer diagnosis or some other trauma in their life, and you're concerned that it has been going on for a while, ask them. Are all these sad feelings you're having just about that? Mm. And if they are, then you can ask them. What could we do about that? How could we start to have a recovery here? But if they're not, then you might need to get them to go and see somebody about it. So I guess what I'm asking next is, and what I was trying to say before, is if there's a a, a situation where they have the death of a spouse or a cancer diagnosis or something like that, can it be like PTSD uh, where this event affects them the rest of their life and they actually have changes in their biochemistry and their psyche or whatever that causes ongoing lifelong depression? Mm. Or is it more of an acute thing that, you know, will pass or be managed and as time goes on? I mean, can that can actually an event that would be sad turn it into a life of depression yeah so if somebody's predisposed to a depressive illness then an event can create that for them but the chance of just a sad event creating a depressive illness is extremely rare that person would have to be predisposed to that illness they may even be living with an undiagnosed depression and then there's an event that tips them off the brink but just a single event taking a normally healthy person and turning them into a person with depression is not something that I've heard of happening. doesn't mean it can't. It's not something that's very common. So in, in the case that you were talking about with, you know, all your thoughts are about this thing, how can we help? Yep. When it came to the actually in that mode, when I was actually in the, sort of the sort of my depressed yep. state, yep. it was a case of if somebody said, so do you think you need to go to talk to somebody? I just, I, I couldn't put that together. Mm. I couldn't make the decision to think mm. that I should yeah. be talking to someone. And that's, that's what we would call in the first aid industry a thought disorder. So perfectly ordinary words enter your head that normally you would just go, I need to make a decision here. There's two or three options. I'll choose this one and everything will move on. When you're experiencing a thought disorder, typically you have one, sometimes two things happening to you. My sister's thought disorder is shooting and musting. So every word that comes in, she should have done something else about it or she must do something about it soon. Or it's negativity. So everything that comes into her head is the negative of what the person said. So you could say, I really like that shirt you're wearing. So therefore, normally you don't like my shirt. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly the the example she gives is, oh, they don't like anything else I wear. Mm. And it's not her doing it. And this is something that I really like to try and get across to people is, If you're talking to somebody who's having those sorts of issues, try to remind yourself, I'm now not talking to Drew, or in my case, I'm not talking to Deb. I'm talking to an illness, and I need to adjust what I'm saying, how I'm reacting to what they're saying, 
through the filter of talking to the illness, not talking to the person, mm. because the illness is doing it to them. If you had somebody in front of you who was throwing up because they had a gastro problem, then you wouldn't be saying to them, okay, well, yeah, you need to stop all that. Mm. Because they can't. And a person with depression can't stop thinking through their disorder. Mm. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You can't stop anything particularly much when, when you're in the mm. middle of a depression. Yeah. That whole control, mental control thing just mm. seems to be really slippery to get hold of. You were well, talking. Drew was making a wonderful point earlier about his wife was so supportive about him getting help. What is the best way to approach someone that you feel a loved one, a, a son, a daughter, a spouse, or whatever that you might feel has a problem with depression? Yeah, and look, I, I'm really interested to find out from Drew about that. But our perspective is turn the conversation around from what the person normally hears. When we normally approach people, we say, you need to get help, you need to change, you need to listen to me. And we encourage people to turn that around and use I, not you. So, I, Drew, I'm starting to feel a bit concerned about what I'm seeing and I'd like to know if you could help me understand what's happening for you. So you're, you're turning the questions around and taking full responsibility for it. This is my question, I'm responsible. Rather than saying, you need to change, you need to go and see a doctor, is those things don't work. Mm. What's your thoughts, Drew? Yeah, it's very much it. it. As soon as you say, I need to do something, that means I have to put the thought pattern together to be able to make it happen and to construct it as a a task list, an event, or a, or a process that I need to make happen. And as soon as I needed it to make it happen, it was hard work. It didn't matter what it was. So that's a great tip. Thank you, gentlemen. But we're going to have to hear from our sponsors so we can keep the lights on. Radio Italia Uno. Yo. Ciao. Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone. Delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite. Marble, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone, Granito, Marmo, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique Stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 82662280. Unique Stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. When you enter Chiera and Sons Fresh Market and Joanna's Kitchen, it feels just like home. This four-decade young, iconic South Australian business is situated in the Hollywood Plaza, Salisbury. For fresh fruit and veggies, see Tony and Frank and their wonderful staff, offering the finest produce and fine foods. And specials last all year, like the Millel Pecorono cheese, just $15.99 per kilo when you buy the entire wheel. Support a family-owned business. Drop in to their Hollywood Plaza store or call 828-33-155. That's 828-33-15. Welcome to the family. 
Join me, Ron Fiedler and Karen Fiedler each Saturday morning from 9 to 10am for Talking Real Estate, your guide to real estate in Adelaide and South Australia. We'll bring you the latest local real estate news, interviews, tips and advice from property experts, plus report on the Italian property market and let you know about the week's open homes and upcoming auctions. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my open home of the week. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, Talking Real Estate, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10am. Be in the know with Adelaide's local real estate show. Radio Italia Uno Sito internet www.italiauno.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're here with David Moran, CEO of Mental Health Partners, which is a company that helps businesses and other organizations in training them in mental health first aid. And Drew Ames, magician, entertainer, and technical guru. So we in our last session, we talked a little bit about how to talk to people with depression. If you're jumping in late to this uh radio show today, please listen to it on our podcast, which is Change the World with Matt McQuinley, that you can listen to on anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, so on and so forth. What I'd like to talk about, kick off this session with, gentlemen, is some of the myths associated with depression, and I'll kick it over to you, Mr. Moran. Sure. So one of the most common myths we hear about depression is the harden up or toughen up or they can just get over it and this is actually a myth it's not true in any shape or regard so saying to a person who's living with depression i'll just get over it would be in my mind exactly the same as walking up to somebody on a cardiac ward He's got tubes sticking out of their chest, just had a serious heart operation, and saying to them, oh, yeah, just get over it. That's not how this works. Depression is a real illness, and it needs real solutions, not platitudes from people. That was a I, thing that I, I sorry, worked through ahead. as well, because I, would, I, was, I was there, and I was thinking, I should be able to just pull this together. You know, I'd just pull my socks up and just... You know, move past this. I can, I can put this back together. It should be, should be doable, but it's not. Yeah, um, my sister, who I've said, and you know, I have her full permission to talk about her, just in case you were wondering. She lives with. It's your uh, sister, so I figured yeah. she'd just beat you up later if she didn't. <laughs> yeah, so she lives with depression, and she actually uh, has worked in mental health for the last forty years, and she was working as a team leader in a mental health service. And she was so good at hiding the symptoms of her own depression that she went into her boss one day after she admitted to herself, yeah, I'm really depressed at the moment. She walked into her boss's office and said, look, I'm going to have to take some time. I need to get some real treatment and, and start to help myself because I am severely depressed. And he is, remember, the boss of a mental health service. And he said, wow, I had no idea. Um, because she was very, very good 
at hiding those symptoms. Well, I, I, I don't want to take exception here, but I, I do think that people with depression do. I mean, I, every day kind of get, get over it. I mean, that's by definition what they're doing. I mean, if it's hard for them to get out of bed and take a shower... I mean, to go somewhere, then, I mean, they're getting over it. They're dragging, like Drew talked about, dragging himself around. I mean, when I say getting over it, I mean doing it in spite of it Yes, is, is what I'm trying to say, which I don't yeah. know what your definition of getting over it is, but, I mean, I, I, we talked to, I talked to somebody about this the other day. I mean, you know, it's like being a soldier. I mean, the difference between, I mean, a brave soldier is not somebody who doesn't have fear. It's somebody that overcomes his fear and still does his job. You know, so these people have this this challenge, which they can't escape because it's inside them, yet they are overcoming this obstacle. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. When, when you, I, I look at it a little bit differently than what you guys are saying. Yeah, yeah um, so you know. I'd be interested to get Drew's perspective, but certainly from our perspective, from a first aid perspective, it's not that they're getting over it. They're yeah. getting on with stuff. Yeah, no, they're they're and getting they're, on with it despite it would probably yeah, be a better and, way to say it. And, you know, papering over cracks or, you know, icing over the holes in the cake, however you want to metaphor it, um, but it's not actually improving their situation at all. It's continually making it worse. Um, and that's where I see the difference. Yet they're accomplishing great things, oh, yeah. any of them. Yeah. You know, and none of them feel great. Yeah, they all it, it, they're it all miserable, but making a huge contribution. And yeah. you, you get things done, you achieve great things, you do the output, you do the job that needs to be done. You give the people the deliverables, and they say this is fantastic work, but it brings you no joy, and it's a struggle to get it done. And the fact that it's a struggle to get it done just adds weight to that mental thing that you think, oh, this is just so painful to work through, that. Um, it just adds to that, that negative thought that goes on in the wheel that says, well, I didn't get any joy out of this. It was a struggle to do, and and now it's done. Oh, look, there's something else I have to do now. Yeah. And they don't take any any pleasure from their accomplishments either. I mean, they, yeah, they accomplish whatever, and they don't feel like they accomplish anything. They just feel like a survivor. Yeah, my sister describes it as digging the hole even deeper. Mm, yep. So Drew's mentioned a couple of things like being on a wheel, uh, or, you know, a cliff or precipice, and they ring true to me. Um, my sister's description is a big black hole, and she just kept digging it even deeper. Yeah. Yeah. In, in some ways, it feels a little bit linked to that um, sort of imposter syndrome thing yeah. where you do something great, but it, you, you don't think it's particularly great. And actually, you're scared that people aren't are going to suddenly work out that you're not doing something particularly yeah. great at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'd like, in the small amount of time we have left, I'd like to hear a little bit about, Drew, uh, what you're doing with the magic show, how you've changed, uh, you're turning the, the negative experience you've had with depression into a positive and helping other people. So, uh, Drew, if you could talk a little bit about that, and, and please feel free to do some shameless promotion of yourself. Because I think you deserve it. What do you think? Oh, David? definitely. All right, so let's 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 go for it. Fantastic. Well, I did a, a show called Success in the Adelaide Fringe, 
and it was a bit of a weird title, but it was a magic show about depression, which was really weird to pose in the first instance because magic is all about just having fun and messing with people's heads and just really enjoying the wonder of surprise. The I'm, I'm a storyteller in my magic. I like to tell a story and the magic effects come along for the ride to demonstrate what's happening. And so in this show, it follows that curve that you go through whenever you're trying something new and everybody does it in all sorts of different ways. And it starts from you get really excited about a new idea and it's fantastic and you want to do this because it's going to be so cool. And you get started and it's a bit hard. Actually, it's it's really hard. Actually, maybe I'm just no good at this. Or maybe I'm just no good at all. Like why on earth did I bother trying this? Like I'm never going to succeed at this. This is... Why did, why did I even get started? But if you've got the right support and you've got faith and family and function, uh, friends behind you, and you've got the right support and you've a little bit of perseverance, you get to that point where things start working and then they start coming together and you think, oh, this is going to work. And if you get through that pit in the middle to the end game and it's just like so awesome, that's so cool, that's the best thing I've ever done, and that's the flow that the show takes. It starts off and there's cool magic through the whole thing, but it demonstrates how I get ideas all the time and ideas go off in my head like popcorn. And talks through my own personal experience in the middle of the, in the, middle of the process and how one of the really important things when you're in the middle of struggling with depression is to talk to somebody, not because you've got something to say, but just to get it out of your head. I, I'm doing the show again during Mental Health Month at Diversity in the City, and that's on the 16th and 24th of October. And you can either come for a matinee and have lunch, or you can come for the evening show and, and have dinner, as well as the show, and, and make a good night of it. So it's a fantastic show, which normalises and exposes that this depression thing it's not strange. It's not different. It's actually a, a regular part of everything that we do. But some people just trip a little bit further off the edge and take a bit longer to come back and just need some help in coming back. Wonderful. Great points. And we wish you nothing but the best, Drew. But we're going to have to hear some more from our sponsors. <music> At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with a Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. 
Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero uno. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. I want to thank our guest today, David Moran, the CEO of Mental Health Partners, which is an organization devoted to training other organizations and businesses in mental health education and first aid. If you would like to hear more about uh, his organization and perhaps you'll be wise enough to utilize his organization to help yours. You can learn more about it on his website, which is... Yeah, so the website is mentalhealthpartners.com.au. And I also want to thank Ron from Podcast City for running the boards today. And we also want to thank uh, Drew Ames for being so open about his struggles and also his inspirational story where he's turning lemons from lemonades into lemonade rather in regards to his magic show and i urge you to look into drew's magic show which is called magic with a message and is on the 16th of october as well as the 24th of october and perhaps even utilize him for your own events drew can you tell us about your website and how somebody could reach you very much drew magic on Facebooks and Instas and all those sorts of things, but drewmagic.com.au is my main website, and there's a MHM, Mental Health Month, page that is specifically about this show. I, I do corporate shows, I do parties and festivals, whether it's walk-around magic or up-front stage magic. As I said, I'm a storyteller, so I like to be able to present the message that people want to have, but with magic to punctuate it. And that's Drew, D-R-E-W, not D-R-U, like in Despicable Me. Correct. Okay. (laughs) All right, I'm just joking, but nobody thinks I'm funny, but me. Okay, anyway, if you're just tuning in and catching the last part of this show, I urge you to listen to the podcast. These are important issues that affect us all and affect our loved ones as well. Uh, You can also catch the other six... uh, parts of our series on mental illness and mental health anywhere you listen to podcasts at Change the World with Matt McQuinley, M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. While you're in there, you could take a look at our four-part series on policing with Derek McManus, 42-year veteran of the elite star South Australian uh, police force, and my father, Sergeant Marshall McQuinley from Chicagoland, as well as our eight-part series with NeuroChange Master and Performance Coach Gwen Meyer on leadership. And by the way, if you need any help in business, I'm a business consultant, public speaker. You can contact me on our Facebook page, Change the World, with Matt McQuinley, M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. And as always, thank you for listening, and I will leave you with a short inspirational message. He was born the youngest of four boys, one of whom died in infancy. He was born to a middle-class family. He suffered terribly as a child from stuttering. He was teased and bullied at school because of his looks. The kids all said he looked like an alien, as to be expected. He became a shy, withdrawn kid. 
He didn't have any friends. So he dived into science. One of his teachers said, quote, there was nothing outstanding about him. I didn't expect him to be a great scientist, but he proved everybody wrong. He got into Oxford. At Oxford, he fell in love with acting, but of course, he still stuttered terribly. So he continued with his education and got a master's degree in electrical engineering. After graduation, he had a degree to fall back on, so he figured, why not go for it in acting? He joined a comedy troupe, but his stuttering held him back. He had a slew of clubs, auditions, TV stations, movie roles, etc. turn him down. But oftentimes, when you've got it rough growing up, there's a reserve of strength within you, and you can handle it. This is where he could reach down into himself, pull up this strength, and keep going. He kept at it because he knew he had a passion for making people laugh, and he was sure that he could be good at it. He started making up his own characters and realized he wouldn't stutter if he spoke in made-up voices. When he overcame his stuttering, he was still rejected by multiple studios, clubs, and in auditions. Being the kind of person who focuses on problem solving, he created a non-speaking character. Well over 50 years after non-speaking characters were mainstream. 10 years later, in the year 1990, he named his character Mr. Bean. This of course is Rowan Atkinson. His net worth today exceeds 150 million US dollars. He's known for all kinds of movies, including the Johnny English series and Love Actually. What do we learn from this? Quite a few things, but some of them are, number one, think your way around a problem. In this case, he wanted to be an actor, but he has a big stutter. So how does he work around it? He makes up voices and he creates characters that don't even speak. Something that's not really well known that should probably be discussed now is he still stutters to this day. Number two, don't listen to the naysayers. How dumb would you feel today if you were one of the kids who used to pick on him back then, given his success? Ex-Prime Minister Tony Blair went to school with him and says he remembers Rowan being treated poorly. And the third point I would like to make is, of course we learn from him to chase your dreams, no matter the obstacle, and with the belief and effort that we have a good chance of achieving them. We also know, as always, that there are two kinds of people listening to this podcast. The kind that says, no one likes me, everyone says I can't do it, there's no point in trying. And then the other kind who says, I want it, I'm going to get it, I'll show you, and I will put forth every effort needed to succeed. Of course, the real question is, which one are you?